Good morning. My name is Mary Halst. I'm going to be your chaplain. So, uh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'll go in. It is my delight to be worshiping with you today, and uh, there were several times this morning where I was just brought to tears because this is such a gift in my life that God has called me back into a ministry of preaching and pastoral care. Uh, the ministry I had before was listening to student sermons, which has a place, not in my life. That's what, that's what we learned, and that's what I've learned. That's what God's been teaching me. So uh, this morning, we are going to start a series on the book of Ephesians. We're going to start this morning with just a couple of verses, and then we're going to continue it at the evening loft services for the rest of the fall. So if you didn't know Ephesians before, you're going to know it by the time you go home for Christmas. I learned this week in my study that uh, Ephesians was also John Calvin's favorite book. So in this, his 500th birthday year, coincidence or predestined? All right, the letter to Ephesians. We're going to read just the first two verses. You can look on page 949 in your pew Bibles. All right. Very short, very sweet, very focused. And actually, this morning, we're only going to focus this morning on 1A. Oh. And then, uh, in about 10 days, uh, we're going to be doing this on Tuesdays in chapel as well, and we're going to be plucking little verses out of the book of Ephesians to look at on Tuesdays, and I'll be looking at um, 1B and 2. So, hey, we got all fall, right? We're taking our time. All right, so, this is what Paul writes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Anybody need a name tag? You have been name tagged out, haven't you, this week? I mean, every time you turn around, somebody's slapping a name tag on you. You had, you, had, uh, you had ones when you came for Quest. Uh, if you're on the activities council, you had to wear a name tag. If you're an RA, you had to wear a name tag. If you're a community partnership coordinator, you had to wear a name tag. The people who are on the orientation board got these cool ones that have Quest that look like the NASA logo. I thought those were super fun. Yes, yes, shout out to them. Um, if you were an international student, you got a cool lanyard with all sorts of flags on it. Ooh. You too wish you were from Ghana right now. <laughs> That's right. We are very serious about name tags at Calvin College. In fact, I'm wearing mine today. When I came to work here at Calvin College, they did not give me one name tag. No, no, they gave me two. Because they knew in advance they were being, you know, prophetic. They knew I would misplace one very quickly, and I already have. Now, the cool thing about these name tags is that they're magnetic. Ooh. Yes. I know. Someday when you come back to work at Calvin College, you too can have a magnetic name tag. <laughs> name tags are important. They help us establish who people are, where they're from, but there's a limit as to what name tags can do. We may know that you're Eric and you're from Lansing, but we may not know that you love video games and that you're allergic to peanuts. 
We may know that you're Katie from Rippin, but we may not know that your favorite color is purple and you've memorized all the dance moves to Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> In order to learn about you, you'd have to have a really long name tag and wear it everywhere you go. Well, at the very beginning of this letter of Paul to the Ephesians, he has a very long name tag. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That makes Mary Hall's Calvin College sound really inadequate. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, scholars think that uh, Ephesians was a circular letter, that is, a letter that went around from church to church. They think this because the letter doesn't have any real specifics in it, that it's addressing a particular situation in a church. And there are a couple times in the letter where Paul says, well, I've heard about this in you, and we know that his relationship with the Ephesians church was very intimate. He knew them very well. We know that from the book of Acts. And so scholars think that this was probably a letter that went around from church to church. And so Paul is introducing himself here to people who may not know of him at all. They may not know who he is or where he's from or what he's all about. So right at the very beginning, he states who he is, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, those of you who have uh, grown up in the church, maybe gone to a Christian school, paid attention on Sunday mornings and Sunday school, know that Paul was not his given name at birth. His given name at birth was what? Saul. Very well done, yes. He was Saul from Tarsus. He grew up in Tarsus as a Jew, well-educated, well-trained. That was his birth name. But after his conversion, which happened on the road to Nice, Damascus. His name got changed. Gradually, he started to be called Paul. Now, sometimes when people go through big events in the Bible, their names get changed. Abram becomes? Yes. Sarai becomes? Simon becomes? Yes. Joseph, the Levite from Cyprus, becomes? Oh. Barnabas. <laughs> See, your education has already begun. <laughs> Having a name change was significant, and, and we know this even today. Some of you have already scribbled out your pre-printed name and said, no, you know, my whole life I've been called Becky, and now I'm Calvin, I really would rather be called Rebecca, right? I've been Jimmy my whole life, now I want to be called James. Sometimes this happens as a result of a significant event. Those of you who follow The Office, Anybody in the house? All right. Those of you who follow the office know that when Andy Bernard went to anger management training, and then when he came back from anger management training, he wanted to be called Drew. Yes. Yes. Because something significant had happened in his life, and he didn't want to be Andy anymore. He wanted to be called Drew, which lasted all of about eight seconds. When we go through something significant, we want to be called something different. Paul was somebody very different than Saul. Saul was a person who stood by and watched Stephen die. Saul was someone who went around to the different houses in Jerusalem and grabbed the Christians and pulled them off to jail. 
He's described in the book of Acts as ravaging the Christians in Jerusalem. And the reason that he was on the road to Damascus, which is far away from Jerusalem, was so that he could go after more Christians. He was vengeful. He was breathing hate against them. That's who Saul was. Saul was somebody who was anti-Christ, anti-the church. So he had his major conversion. And then the Holy Spirit set him and Barnabas apart for the work of ministry. He didn't want to be called Saul anymore. He becomes Paul. And Paul is who we know as a brilliant theologian. Paul is the great evangelist. Paul is the church planter. Paul is the guy who survives the earthquake and the snake bite and the flogging and jail time. That's Paul. Paul, our brother in faith. So when he begins his letter, the very first word has significance, Paul. And then he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, this may seem a little out of step because we know that the apostles were people that were close to Jesus and were sent out by Jesus. First, there were 12 disciples. He calls them in a couple of times, once in Matthew, once in Mark. He calls them together. He gives them authority. He says, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to heal people, and you're going to cast out demons. And so disciple, which is a word that means student, they become the apostles, a word that means sent out. The disciples become apostles. Now, Paul wasn't there when that happened. He wasn't in the picture at all. He was probably really young. How can he, in this letter to the church at Ephesus, claim to be an apostle of Christ Jesus? Well, after his conversion in Damascus, he spent some time there. He went back to Jerusalem. And then the books of, book of Acts we're told that he was worshiping in the temple in Jerusalem and he went into a trance. And while he was in that trance, Jesus came to him and said, go, I am sending you to the Gentiles. And in that moment, the disciple became an apostle. He was sent. Now, there were some people who didn't really believe that all this change had happened in the life of Paul. When he came back to Jerusalem, I mean, he tried to join up with the Christians who were there. They were terrified of him. They were terrified of this guy. I mean, he had dragged off their family members. He dragged off people that they loved. They were hunkered down in defense against that guy, and here he comes waltzing up into their meeting, somehow claiming to be suddenly a disciple, somebody who believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They did not believe it. They didn't believe it. They believed his old identity because that was pretty well fixed. They believed that old identity. They knew who Saul was the person who made their lives miserable, they knew that old identity. This new identity, they didn't trust it. Now, some of you here in this place came from schools where there are a lot of other people from your school here. Some of you are at Calvin with people you went to elementary school with. These people have known you a long time 
and the odds are good that they've got an idea about your identity. They see you as the partier or the jock, the bookworm, the nerd, the teacher's pet. They've got you pegged. Others of you come from places where there's nobody else at Calvin who came from that place. You're from Hawaii or Kansas. It's a really small group of people from Kansas here at Calvin College. And your challenge is different in that nobody knows you. Nobody knows that you were the National Merit Scholar at your high school. Nobody knows that you were the jock who missed the big free throw in the big game. Nobody knows. And you've got to kind of figure out who you are here in this mix. All of us have to figure out who we are all over again at the start of a school year, especially one in which we start in a new place. Who am I going to be? Who am I going to hang out with? What am I going to get involved with? And this can be hard, especially when there are people around who still see you as the person that you were. Maybe you're desperate to break off the things that you were known for in high school. Maybe you're desperate to push back the things that you did this summer. It's hard to grow into a new identity when there are people who so squarely have you fixed in the old one. I've been corresponding this week with a friend of mine who just graduated from a state university here in Michigan and she's going off to graduate school. In fact, she moved this weekend. And we've been talking about matters of faith and life. And she wrote this to me this week. I don't know, she says. The last four years have been very interesting for me. When I first left home, I struggled, wondering if I used to be a prude or if I was becoming a heathen. Many of the rules I once held fast to and judged others based on no longer made sense to me and I needed to sort it all out in my head. Over the past few years, my life has become increasingly reminiscent of the plot of a prime time drama and sometimes it's hard to find God. I'll admit that readily. It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian in a world full of self-inflated liberal cynics. It's hard to be a Christian when you too often catch yourself turning into a self-inflated liberal cynic. And that's where I sit. I love God, I do, I know in my heart of hearts that this is right, but it's hard. It's hard to live, it's hard to explain, it's hard to justify, but I know I need to stop trying to find explanation or justification. I mean, I know no one said faith was easy. No one said faith was easy. No one said figuring this stuff out was going to be a cakewalk. No one said that exploring your identity, figuring out who you really are, was going to be easy. Which is why it's so important for us to remember this last little bit of Paul's name tag here in Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. 
Now that can seem a little bit redundant. I mean, we already know that his name was changed. We already know that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. Isn't it redundant for him to say it's by the will of God? Isn't that kind of obvious that it's all been done by the will of God? Well, what Paul is doing in saying that is giving credit where credit is due because everything good that happened in his life happened because of God. It happened because of the will of God. It was God who stopped him cold on that road to Damascus. It was God who blinded him so he couldn't see for three days and just had to sit and think about what had happened. It was God who brought him back to Jerusalem. It was God who brought Barnabas to come alongside him and introduce him to the Christians in Jerusalem and convince them that he was okay. It was God who had given him all this strength. It was God who gave him his identity. Paul was Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, because of the will of God. And you are here because of the will of God. There's nobody in this room who is here by accident this morning. There's nobody who's here in this room because of chance. You are here in this place at this time by the will of God. And just as Paul was transformed from Saul, that God took his identity and completely reshaped it more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, so God is doing that in you. You don't have to be held back by whoever you were in high school. You don't have to be held back by the choices you made this summer. You are set free to have a new identity, to have a fresh start, to find out who you are in Christ Jesus. When you were baptized, you were baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that's who you are. That's your identity. And there may be people who want to lock you into who you were before, but there are a lot of people who are going to help set you free to figure out who God is inviting you to be. There are a lot of people at Calvin College who will help you, who will walk with you, who will struggle with you, who will cry with you, who will pray with you. The campus ministries team, your residence life team, your professors, your coaches, your mentors, your friends. You don't move into this next adventure all by yourself. You are here by the will of God. And the God who called you to be in this place will equip you with everything you need to grow into the identity that he is placing on you. This morning we're going to ask you to fill out one more name tag. I'm going to pray in a minute. We're going to sing I invite you to come up and write on the name tag, not the name that your parents gave you when you were born or when you were adopted, but write the name that God is putting on you today. Maybe the name that you need to claim is daughter of God. Maybe the name that you need to claim is beloved. Maybe today what you need to hear God say to you is you are forgiven. Maybe today you need to be reminded that you are here by the will of God. 
God invites you today to find your identity in the only place that will feed you and equip you and bring you joy, and that is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Today's a fresh start. It's a new beginning, and God is already at work. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we give you praise and thanks for the testimony of one little verse, so much packed into Paul's story, and we know that there is so much packed into ours. We thank you that you are a God who can set us free and that by the blood of Jesus Christ, all of our sins are washed away. Our past is washed away and we can be fresh. The old is gone, the new has come. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this place that they will be named by you, not by anybody else. That they will hear your words of love they will hear the name come from you, beloved, forgiven, my child, my son, my daughter. Oh God, when we think about all you have done, you've saved us, you've raised us, you've lifted it up. Oh God, we just want to thank and praise you. Help us now to put on this name that you give us, and as we go out from here, may we wear it today, and then maybe put it in a place where we can see it all the time to be reminded that this is who we are in you. We thank you above all for the gift of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of the church and Lord of our lives. And in his name we all pray, amen. <laughs>